Okay, so welcome to the new My Way of Thinking podcast hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every week. Now, My Way of Thinking, or My What for short, uh, is all about us, amazing human beings uh, that all have a story to tell. Now, those stories can vary massively, but with the guests I'll be interviewing, you'll always be able to take a little bit of our voice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be. Uh, if you want to be a guest, then you can message me on Facebook or YouTube, which is My Way of Thinking Podcast. Nice and simple. Twitter is My Way of Thinking. But without a G in the end, a three instead. I'm going to get sick of that. <laughs> now, all episodes will be streamed weekly on the usual platforms and also on the YouTube channel. So please like and subscribe. It's important. We want to build a really good audience up for this because, trust me, I am seriously you can have some awesome interviews um it's good stuff now today i am talking to christine charles uh christine's life coach mental health expert uh she's just got such a positive look at life and she has been through it uh, and in this interview today she is going to really delve deep which is fantastic of her and is what we want from our guests uh apologies for the audio at the start it's a little bit off but it just gets it's spot on after the first few minutes, so make sure you bear with it. Um, and that's it. Here we go. Great, a great interview with Christine Charles. Here we go. Okay, so welcome, Christine Charles. How are you? I'm all the better for speaking to my pal. Ah, oh, you are too. You <laughs> my shining, my head shining. That's why I put my cap on because I burnt yesterday. What did you do yesterday? Anything nice? Um, just the usual, you know, marigolds, scrubbing, cleaning, cleaning the skirting boards, which has become a bit of a laughing joke now with my friends and family. What's that? Oh, you clean your skirting boards every week. <laughs> <laughs> One of our friends cleans loads and it's therapeutic. You know what I mean? Whereas I hate cleaning, I'll still do a bit. Um, but I think there's some, uh, you know, and we'll talk about mental health later, but uh, there's something therapeutic in it, isn't there? Defo. And I think that's what, for me, clean house, clean mind, tidy house, tidy mind. Yes. It's like someone once said to me, have a good routine in the, in the morning because the morning sets you up for the day. So make sure you, you know, you leave your bed set, you know, everything's where it needs to be. Um, so I'll try and do that. And then I walk into my son's bedroom and it's like I've arms it it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the job of children isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah okay well look it's brilliant to have you on this is the brand new podcast my way of thinking obviously uh now we're going to get stuck into what you're about and what you get up to and things like that because it's fascinating stuff but first of all i'd like to start the show with a couple of funny stories latest stories and i've got a couple of uh, so i because I look at the news in the morning and the news can be quite depressing, so I try and find some funny stories that always make me smile. So I found these two uh, yesterday. Right, now this, um, this man, okay, he won a lottery ticket. Uh, sorry, he got a lottery ticket, he won two million. But it's quite funny how he got it because he actually, he stopped in a gas station, this was in America, uh, and he needed change for the air machine. So he uh, asked for a $10, $10 Lucky 7 scratch, scratch ticket. And the clerk handed him uh, a, 20 a $20 ticket by mistake. Uh, and then he offered to exchange it. Uh, but something told this guy 
I need to keep this ticket. So he said, I'll keep this ticket, paid the extra, won, uh, won uh, two million. Whoa, talk about intuition. Is that, I know, you know when you talk about fate, something told him. That's Not true. Just shows you when you say, like, the universe works in mysterious ways. Life is a mystery, isn't it, Lee? You've got quite a lot to talk about, which is great. Uh, but first of all, I'd like to touch on your growing up. Now, you're a mental health expert and you've got other strings to your bow, life coaching, stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about growing up and how that sort of reflected on then where you ended up today. Okay, so um, a little bit about as I was growing up. Oh, right. So growing up, I felt very safe and secure in my childhood. It was, it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. Um, I always felt safe in the family unit, but outside in the world, it was like, hmm, this is a bit strange, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I had I felt it was, it was a lovely childhood growing up. We had um, an apple tree in the, in the back of our, what became our family home um, and just climbing on it, annoying my mum and playing with my brother, my sister, so a middle child and got an older sister and a younger brother. Where did you grow up? Um, that Birmingham? Yeah, we all of us born bred Birmingham, apart from my parents, who my late father now was born in India, and my mum was born 15 years later, after the partition had happened, what we now know as Pakistan. So then, um, how did that work? They move over here afterwards, or? Uh, so my dad, um, well, the story with my dad is that he, um, his mum died when he was a baby, and he was a bit of an unruly child and his dad and his brother and his so his sister mothered him she became the mother unfortunately she passed away when she got married with her husband and so my dad was a bit of an unruly child and he both my granddad his dad and my uncle his brother didn't know what how to what to do with him and yeah. um, they'd pack him off to auntie's houses and whatnot um, but also, unfortunately, around the age of eight or nine, civil war broke out in India, and my dad was shot several times in the leg. Yeah, God. Yeah, and he was kind of left on the roadside, and a, a, a pastor, a priest from Bernardo's, um, took him in, took him to hospital, and he stayed at Bernardo's orphanage till he was 17. Wow. And it, you know, back in those days, it's, it, when you got to 17, it's like, you're a man now, mm. we need your bed, you go. Um, so my dad was homeless for a few weeks. Um, oh. And it was monsoon weather, he was kind of taking refuge in this big posh mansion, you know, in outside verandas in India that you have. Oh, yeah. And Spain and, you know, European countries. Yeah. And uh, the owner found him in the morning and he happened to be an Englishman who owned an oil rig and taught my dad how to drive. Um, oh. And he had connections. And, and through that, my dad ended up in the UK. Um, he actually saved the life of an English lady who had yeah. epilepsy. And she kind of said to him, look, I actually live in Stoke-on-Trent in England. If you... Um, escort me because I'm not allowed to travel by myself and my husband can't do it because he's so busy here 
I'll make sure that you, I can get you passage into England, get you a British passport, get you set up, get you a home, all the rest of it. And that's how my dad came to the wow. UK. Yeah. Um, and it was, so he'd flip back to, you know, uh, the Middle East every now and again, um, spent seasons as an embassy driver for these politicians, make wow. his money, build yeah. things here. And then that's how he met my mum's father, my oh. granddad, who was oh. a chef in one of the Canadian embassies. Oh. And he kind of said, oh, you'd be a good suitor for my daughter. Yeah. Um, but when they got married for several years, they, they you know, my mum was still in Pakistan because my dad had to sort out her her papers and they fell in love over love letter writing. Oh, nice. What's letters? What's that? Well, no. Um, oh. I very much felt very secure as a child growing oh. up. And I, you know, my, my mum still tells the stories that, and I remember this, I used to, pretend I was a policewoman and then I went from <laughs> a policewoman to an astronaut and then eventually in my teens started to develop a taste for performing. Um, so, so basically at a young age you knew you had that creative gene uh, you know what I mean because it was similar to me I would always be dressing up or playing around as a kid yeah, and I think that's yeah. sort of the creative side of you starts coming out. Yeah and you know Unfortunately, I didn't have the confidence levels as a child because I had an older sister mm. who was very popular, very bright in all the top sets. Everybody loved her. And the same with my younger brother. And I was very much kind of like, I don't know where I belong. Um, so I had imaginary friends, creative players. We all have imaginary friends. I still got I love it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Um, <laughs> So, you know, and my mom, bless her, she, I remember that she once arranged a play date for me and it was, it was somebody whose house I rocked up to lived literally the doors away from us and I just didn't know what to do, Lee. I was like, stood there awkwardly and it was like, you can sit down now, Christine. And I just, I didn't have those social skills. So you were really like, shy then, really shy when you were younger. Yeah, because my mum says that I used to cling on to her uh, when yeah. I was back and hide, but you know, like you'd uh, some children hide. Um, and of all the things, we watched a horror movie that day, and it just scared the life out of me. Yeah. And that's how I thought of that friend from there on. <laughs> which which uh, horror film was it? Can you remember? Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I bet that proper messed you up, didn't it? Yeah, because I wasn't even in high school then. That was a scary film. I remember when I watched that. Well, my sister is 10 years older than me. So when I grew up, um, she used to babysit for me. So when she was like 16, 17, she'd babysit for me uh, and have all her friends around. And I'd say, look, I'm going to grass you up unless you let me watch these films we are. So when I was like six, I was watching The Exorcist. <laughs> So, you know, so I was proper messed up when I was a young <laughs> I'd seen everything, everything. Well, this is why you have fearlessness about you. You're, you're well, fearless. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Maybe a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so you grew up a bit shy, but then you started to come out of yourself a bit more, I, I would guess. Did you go uni, college, things like that? I went to college. I absolutely hated secondary school you know I was in the lot bottom sets 
and unfortunately I was in a school that is very much like the what we see on programs American system where you've got the popular kids you've got the nerds uh, and, and I was the nobodies you know oh it's um, annoying isn't it it's yeah but when I got to college I was around some really good people who themselves were struggling with you know who am I where confidence and all the rest of it and we just helped each other along I didn't make it to uni because I knew I hadn't had the grounding of ballet and tap and I was up against some serious contenders that were going off to tv programs live shows backing dancers and so my um, college tutor at the time said that she would not be willing to give me a reference but uh, to go away and you know spend a couple of years if I was serious about dance and perfect the art and then she would you know and she did encourage me to keep in touch with her so at the time I was really hurt and rejected but now in hindsight I, I know she was she was being kind because I just would have got a load of rejection letters. Was that the big thing for you then when you were, when you were sort of in your late teens, was it uh, dance? Was that the big thing for you? You wanted yeah. to be a, a dancer? Yeah, because I tried acting and I knew being, uh, I didn't like the attention being on me. So I felt much safer being around people that I was dancing with. And plus, when you mess up, you've got a group of people around you, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, acting, I tell you, I did, because so, I sort of did a bit of acting, uh, thought it was what I wanted to do, but really I wanted to be more be more in control because an actor, basically, you're told what to do. Uh, but I, I did a bit of training with some proper actors and uh, they're fearless. How they do it, I do not know. It is, you know what I mean? The f respect to anyone that acts because it's it's a hard, bloody job. Yeah, it's, it's it's again. They've got you've got to be so focused and fearless. Yeah, yeah. And mental health wise, you know, I think you've got to be pretty keyed up here, yeah, because you've got to do all these different emotions on screen. So I think you've really got to be uh, quite sane. But on the other side of that, that's why I think we see some actors go off the rails because they can't handle it. So they've got all this internal stuff going on, doing these different parts. Um, and sometimes I think that's why you see them, see them go off the rails, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there's, you know, there's also a lot of manipulation that goes on and mind control and being around the wrong people. And that hooks into back, back into what you're saying about you've got to have the right people behind you. Yeah. And I when I was at home, the, the reason why I say I felt so safe at home is because my parents were full of encouragement. Oh, that's full, good. You know, their stance was, we're, we're not bothered if you have like a 50K salary, do what makes you happy. Yeah. You know, um, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a lawyer. Just follow your heart. Yeah. And that really comes from, you know, a dad that had the experience he experiences he had um and a mother who you know was a writer she she was very intelligent and got married at a very young age but she had that in her so um i think that that has really helped and yeah. helped me and my mental health and well-being yeah. when you so when you realized the dancing weren't happening how did that affect you did that hit you hard 
massively, mate, massively, I spent um, a whole year traveling back and forth from the age of 18 to 19, back and forth to London, auditioning for pop groups. Ah. And that, uh, you know, so I now looking back, I know that I had a will that was quite full of determination and a bit of stubbornness. Um, and I'd get through so far to rounds and then it would be a no. Oh. And I remember I was at Pineapple Studios and I auditioned for Simon Cowell's management and they were looking for a Ooh. girl and the equivalent of five. I don't know if you remember yeah. five. Yeah, I do. Well, I am a little bit older than I remember that, yeah. Um, and I didn't get through I got through to the semis or the finals and I asked I asked the guys the judges what is wrong with me because I'd had like almost a year of this and they said there is nothing wrong with you but black artists are only just breaking through the market and being oh, accepted yeah they are not ready for Asian artists Mad, and yeah. And that really blew my mind at the time. God, that must have hit you hard. Yeah, I was devastated at the time. I was devastated. Because you had this big dream and that is the ultimate full stop, isn't it? That is the ultimate, you, you've got no chance. Yeah, <laughs> That's basically. crap. Yeah, I mean, I, I was completely lost at that point. What do I do with my life now? Yeah, yeah. So what did you do? So... What did you do from there then? I bet you felt like shit. Brace yourself. Um, I, my sister had just got a job in Manchester at the time. And with permission and blessing from my parents, I moved with her. Hmm. And I'd got a really good job at what was JJB Sports Division, but then got brought out by JJB Sports. And I transferred. And there I discovered... Trance music, drugs, clubbing. Um, and, raving. Uh, raving. Yeah, I was a raver. I was a raver. Like nothing. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I had fun, I made friends. That's good. Yeah. You know, I started to discover what friendships were about and you know, and, and what social interaction was about at the age of 19, 20. Um, mm. But I never, I loved the whole socialising aspect, but deep down I didn't really enjoy, you know, popping the odd pill um, and the whole clubbing element. I, did, I never sat right with me. Yeah, it sounds to me, and you know, I've done similar, is, is because the dance thing, didn't happen what you're doing is you're having fun and almost drowning that out uh, you know what I mean and yes you're meeting good friends but you're also you know I went off the rails for a while as well because you just realized that that's not going to happen so you yeah. think fuck it and you yeah. just you know um, and it's great that you meet them, but then there's the you know it's like um, I could go out with my friends have a great time but then something would go off in my head uh, because I'd had too much drink or whatever, and then the bitterness comes back, or because you're not happy or you've got problems at home. You know what I mean? It's a dangerous thing, isn't it? 
it's all about rejection. That's what I've realized now in my early 40s is um, because I'd experienced rejection from the outer world, my outside, um, I, I kind of threw myself into the clubbing world um because it was like wow making friends how can i please them how can i keep the i don't you know and so all these like social interaction rules that you generally learn in at school and and, and friendships within school and social circles i was learning at 19 20 yeah. so it was a bit of a bloomer um so it yeah th there was a lot of that going going on as well and you know, I remember I tried to sell drugs once. <laughs> Honestly, and it was just, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I'd end up giving them away to people. You, just not... you weren't a very good dealer then, were you? <laughs> no, it was crap. I was absolutely crap. <clears throat> what I noticed, though, Lee, was that when I had that authority and power, oh, she's got something I want. People started to become my, became my friends, mm. and that's at the time deep down subconsciously it was like something isn't right. What are you doing, Christine? Yeah, Is yeah. People pleasing. Do you want to get noticed? And I'd brush it aside because I was still deep dealing with all that from school yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. college. So um, good lessons for really, to look back on. Yeah, I mean, it, I totally agree with you because, you know, I did some silly things, but I look back on and it's all a learning curve. And it's all experience. And it makes you that, you know, I am so in tune today and just, um, you know, I haven't got any issues. I'll always have issue issues, uh, but, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with myself. You know, we can always say we're happy with our family, your friends, but to be happy with yourself is a nice thing, isn't it? You know? absolutely absolutely and it's key to to well-being up here you know we're never going to be perfect but as long as we can acknowledge that was the past but that's not me anymore and i can understand why i was behaving that way and you don't learn this stuff you know it's stuff that you learn as you go along and no one again, could tell you yeah exactly and it goes back to having the right people around you um what that help you realize these things about you yeah um definitely. so yeah so right so the dance thing then did you was how long did that take to sort of put it to bed or is it still something that plays on your mind now oh no i'd put it to bed um i moved from manchester back to birmingham because i'd got myself in quite a bit of debt and involved with a mm. housemate who was a drug dealer and <laughs> Honestly, I had to run from my life and, and came back to, to Birmingham. And it was in, whilst I was in Birmingham, I kind of started to do a lot of soul searching and praying and really kind of like, come on, God, tell me what. I did a load of traveling. So I'd, I'd go and get well-paid office jobs, save, go traveling. Um, and it was life coaching, really, that I discovered but I knew that I needed to work on my own mental health and this whole rejection thing um, yeah. that would react and respond in bizarre ways, very sensitive. Um, so there was a whole kind of like, okay, I want to help other people, but I've got to help myself first. Yeah, you've got to get yourself sorted first. Now you say about praying, you're you religious, Christine. 
I wouldn't say I'm religious because for me, religion is man-made set of rules and it's all about acts of faith to be able to have that, yeah. you know, salvation. But I do have a very strong faith and relationship with God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and yeah. that underpins everything. And now when I look back at my life and go, why did that not feel right to you when you were clubbing and recreationally taking drugs? Because it was God all the time saying, this isn't you, this isn't you. And it's all about intuition, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And both, when I look at my parents' lives, I'm like, that is God's intervention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm the, I mean, I'm not religious, but I've, I've got faith. I think that's, that's the best way to be, really, isn't it? Yeah. But um, so that's in that's an interesting growing up. So so now let's move into sort of your mental health, your life coaching. So what made you go? You sort of touched on it there. But so all of a sudden you had this light bulb moment thinking, actually, I want to help people. Was that right? Absolutely. Because I really struggled at school massively. Maths was I was just so poor at. Um, and it wasn't until I was 30 and I was living in London at this point. Um, get around, don't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> and my ex-boss at the time, who had severe dyslexia, pointed out to me I'd got mild dyslexia. He spotted it in my work. And so how, uh, before you, uh, so di dyslexia, um, did it, was it writing? Was it listening to, what type of dyslexia did you have? Maths. Oh, was it? Well, I've got yeah. that then. <laughs> so what, yeah. explain it, how did it affect you? I just was so rubbish at numbers and I couldn't understand formulas or pies or anything like that. I could just about do times table, but I'd get to a point where it'd be like, I can't, I can't, I don't know how to, and dividing things. That's mad, um, isn't it? Because I suppose through school, you're thinking I'm thick. Yeah, must be a bit thick, and yeah. actually, you've got dyslexia. That's mad. Well, at the time, dyslexia wasn't really that popularised, and I remember my maths teacher, who actually said to me, "I just kept asking him the same question about this calculation we were doing," and he said, "How come your sister is in all the top sets, but you can't even get a simple maths formula?" Yeah, and he was. A He's a graduate, he was a graduate, fresh out of uni. Um, so, you know, his tolerance levels weren't there. It really knocked my confidence. Yeah, that's mad. So when I'd got years later in my 30s, this high-powered job in a leadership position where I had to budget, do spreadsheets, work out costs, and I started to get things wrong. When he said that, I felt such a huge relief, especially when I did this online um test God, yeah and i, I then it started to unravel things for me lee because i was like oh, i can see why i've behaved in this way yeah. and bonded in that way um and so like the mental health aspect for me started there that's when the seed was born yeah um, i've had many breakdowns in my life myself by you know financially you know i've almost had to file for bankruptcy once I've had been in positions where I've had no food, um, where I couldn't even pay my rent, um, but I've got through it, and that's faith, it's God. You know, I remember crying out to God one day 
I threw my Bible on the floor and I was sobbing and I was on my knees and like, what do you want from me? And, you know, the very next hour I was getting calls like, we've transferred this money into your account that we owed you. Da, 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 da. And my, my rent was literally due on the midnight and I'd got no money, you know? So, um, and then I kind of developed the confidence to say to my mum, oh, oh, I can't afford food right now. And this is as a grown adult, right? And there's a load of shame that comes with that because you're thinking, why am I not able to look after myself? And why am I so poor at finances? Because I'm rubbish with maths. But yeah, yeah. You know, that's an area of development that I've worked on and had good people around. And then my late father developed vascular dementia, which just, you know, um, progressed really. So that's where my mental health kind of or well mental well-being journey started from. God, yeah. So that th you're an expert because you've been through every, you know what I mean? You've been through it, haven't you? Well, I think we've all have, haven't we, at different levels? Yeah, definitely. But I think some things are more testing than others. You know, you'll speak to some people. Um, it's, it's weird because you think, you know, I think my growing up was... Yeah, there was things that, you know, were stressful or whatever. Then other people will look and say, wow, that was really difficult. Everybody's got different levels of perception, haven't they, of what a difficult childhood is. Um, but I think the key is, whatever it is, it's all experience. It'll make you who you are. Um, but I think it helps when you have them troubles and you overcome them, that's for sure. Now, uh, your dad with dementia, how did that affect you? That must have been horrendous, I would guess. Absolutely, because I found a diary the other day from 20 to 2011, and there's an entry in there saying, Dad almost died, but by the grace of God, he's alive. Yeah. So I was like, goodness me. So Dad, before he even got diagnosed with dementia, was poorly. Um, and, you know, with my dad, there was a lot of emotional issues. Um, he was up and down, his depression. But How old was he when he died? 81. All right, okay. So he had dementia for quite a while, did he? We think so, because when I was 25, he had his first heart attack. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, it was a long time coming. He was having seizures. He was passing out, forgetting things a long, long time before we even got to the point. This is an issue. We've got yeah. to take that. You know, and when my dad was having seizures, he'd fall over yeah and he'd hit his head and he kept hitting his head on the same side and it was quite horrific actually um he got rushed to hospital the third time it happened and they said your dad's got a blood clot on his brain we're going to drain it nothing to worry about it's dry blood but then the surgeon spotted there was something not quite right with him they did a load of tests and then they kind of diagnosed him with dementia oh. um and it was a bittersweet for us because it was like oh, okay we know what to no do. yeah yeah so we can work with him i yeah. have to say nhs were amazing oh that's good yeah they we, are aren't they yeah we had a really great social work worker who was kind of like the go between the all the agencies um you know and so yeah yeah Oh, bless. Yeah, I think, I mean, I know because of COVID and everything, we've been talking about the NHS. We should have been talking about them a long time before that. 
you know, having to come out and clap. Um, and the fact they, they should be getting these pay rises and things like that because yeah. they're just okay. unbelievable, aren't they? Well, I believe that in West Midlands they have had a pay rise. Oh, um, to Andy Street put something out on his um, social media that it's um, along with the police and uh, teachers they've had a pay rise. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Um, right, so mental health then. So all this has happened. You think, right, I'm going to do life coaching, mental health, get stuck in. So what what happened? Right, so basically I was out for dinner with my best friend um, and having a good old moan. Oh, I'm going to pack this life coaching in this self-employed uh, malarkey because it's just a shark, shark-infested, blah, blah, blah. And my best friend at the time was um, actually part of um, a team at yeah. Radio Plus uh, presenting and producing a show called Urban Cafe. All right kind of listened to me rant and then said you know uh, the radio station needs more shows and there's nobody doing life coaching um so i met long story short with the the then radio station manager and he he was we just developed health and well-being between us yeah uh, and my stance to him i still remember saying this to to tim um you know I can't control what's happening to my dad, but I can make a difference through this medium. And it was actually, it's been a healing process for me as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, and an outlet. Yeah, I bet it's really helped. Yeah. Definitely. Massively, massively. So I've met some, some amazing people. And, you know, you think you have it bad, and then you speak to guests who've had it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whether it's a competition, but it's like, whoa, I'm not by myself you know yeah we're in yeah. together yeah so that was your therapy then really working at, at the radio in some ways yeah, yeah. i mean people like yourself who you know well yeah there's always that <laughs> right now uh so mental health you thought right this is what i want to get into want to get into life coaching what um and so you said about your creative side do you think they're linked somehow what what you know what i mean mental health creativity what do what you what's what you're going to do next you know oh what are any of us going to do next that's the big question um i said definitely there's um because we built tim and i built this show from the ground up from scratch and we had to shape and adapt as we went along and it took you know a good eight to 12 months I would say yeah. and once we'd got a structure and format in place it was like right let's that's when momentum started what's next I don't know I think for me it's just about raising awareness and making a difference um in 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 the in the ways that I can in the best way that I can um do yeah. you think you'd like to get involved in therapy and offering counselling? Have you ever thought about that? Do you know, I actually did consider being a counsellor, but it's not for me. Um, there's a lot. Of, it's just he emotionally very heavy. Yeah. And I know my personality, and I know that I, could, I would not be able to separate that. Yeah. Um, 
so it's it's knowing what personality type you are and working with that which is why i love coaching so much because it's looking at the past it's like where are you now let's get you to where you need need to it's a bit like working it's a bit like therapy but you haven't got to go deep deep into the recesses of hell and you know it's it's offering people advice um and being helpful without getting too deep and the thing yeah and the other thing is it's about responsibility right so how could i be a counselor and try and help people with their past and some really deep emotional trauma and problems when i haven't got my own stuff sorted out yeah yeah yeah. you know for me that's irresponsible Definitely, definitely. Right, okay. Well, that's good. Now, um, what advice... Now, because we've had a lockdown, um, and we touched about on about this before, this will have affected people quite a lot, mental health-wise. I mean, we're coming out of it now, we hope. Um, what, what sort of advice do you think you could give people that maybe are going through problems or issues at the minute? What, what do you think is the key? I think, I mean, I'm, I'm no expert, okay, um, but for me, it's taking one day at a time right now. Um, and there's a whole wave of mental health issues that are going to emerge. Um, you, you've got one end of the spectrum where people just aren't taking into consideration the rules and regulations the government has set. And then you've got the people at the other end of the spectrum who are in complete fear. Um, And so it's take, there's, there's also not a lot of care or thought going into the minds of people. You know, I'll give you an example. I was in, I was in my local Sainsbury's the other day um, and I went for a walk around the retail park. This man was telling his son, I've got asthma, I can't put a mask on, mm. but people are going to give me, dirt, you know, looks. Yeah. yeah. I just felt bad for him. I thought, you know what, it shouldn't, now, this is now the next thing that people are having to deal with. Why is that? And we've got to stop this and just take a step back and be a bit more understanding. Yeah, um, definitely. I don't know how we do that because everybody, we're all different people, um, but it is literally taking one day at a time and having that care and consideration for ourselves and those around us and not judging. Yeah. And that is something that I've put as a rule on the podcast, no judging because um, it's so important because everybody's a judge at the minute and it really annoys me. You know, we've had Brexit, we've had other things now, COVID it's like, you know, it's like being in a bloody playground with some people you know, don't judge people. They might have an opinion. That's their, that's their, what they believe. It's an opinion. It's not, you know, they're not saying being that way to be harmful. Do you see what I mean? It's written, but at the minute, some people get their back up and it's like they enjoy the confrontation. And it really, you know, like you say, you see someone in a shop without a mask and you look at them like shit. You know, there might be a genuine reason that, that you know, and I think everybody at the minute is judging. It's it's terrible. It's absolutely ridiculous because I know we're going a bit off point, but this whole kind of 
and it seems to have died down now, but it could pick up cancelling people on social media. What's that about? Who, who's given you the right to cancel people? And I actually said to a friend the other day, I don't think this is people, I think this is bots. Yeah, <laughs> I think this yeah. bots that who've created this cancelling culture. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's a great Ricky Gervais, I've got a lot of time for Ricky Gervais, and he, yeah. his latest shows on Netflix, have you seen it? About social media. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah, it's fantastic. And he says, if he puts a post on, you know, people got proper mental, he's got millions and millions of followers and they're going absolutely mental at him. So he'll put a post on and people don't agree with. He says, that's like, imagine you go into a town and you see a, a, a picture, a, a notice board, and it says guitar lessons, £10. And then you turn around and go, I don't want fucking guitar lessons. Well, you wouldn't say that, would you? You'd just carry on walking. You wouldn't start going mental and saying, how dare you ask me for guitar lessons. If you want guitar lessons, great. If not, just pay no, you know what I mean? But everyone has got to have an opinion and say, you know, I fucking don't, what, why put that up there? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, do you know what? There is, um, there's a lot of anger and resentment mm. and all sorts of things that are going on in society right now. And what I'm trying to do is just be love and share love and, yeah. and being, you know, I was listening to um, a podcast and um, it was this guy called Doug Addison. Fantastic at what he does. And his ministry is based around encouraging people. And he said, get on social media if you've got a presence and only put positive stuff on. Be yeah. the light in a dark place. Yeah. Because we know we're intelligent. There's higher powers at play here, manipulating social media, manipulating uh, the systems and, and feeding into the minds of people. Um, and it's almost like, you know, something that we're going to move on into in a minute, the red or the blue pill, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Said... yeah, but yeah, more love, definitely. And hopefully, and I know it's easy, and I've put about the show always being positive. It's, you know, don't get me wrong, what we're saying is, you know, it's easy to say people are talking crap and judging, but there's a hell of a lot of good people out there, and we're seeing a lot more of that as well. And so hopefully, you know, in the end, the good will come through. The good, yeah. the good will come, come through. You know, we look, look at Justin Bieber and what, he, what he's been through and even Kanye West. And we need to get behind these celebrities who are at the forefront of this positivity and, and just kind of pray for them and, you know, have, just do more of that. Spread the love. Yeah, definitely. Now, every uh, week I ask my guests for favourites. Now, this could be a favourite food, a favourite book, a favourite film. But the, what, what, what I want to do is whatever we, you come up with, it's accessible to people. So if it's a film, they can watch that film. If it's a food, they can eat that food. So that's the whole point of this favourite thing. And so tell us what you've chosen and tell us why. Well, they're movies, and I have many favourites, like you. <laughs> well, that is a cult classic, isn't it, really? We can't, we can't not deny that. Um, okay, first one is Interstellar. Have you seen it? Oh, yes. Oh, well, yes. It's a great film. Great film. Christopher, well, Nolan, Christopher Nolan's just 
a fantastic filmmaker. Um, and it's just so wild, isn't it? Yeah, I think for its time, it actually blew my mind because you've not just got the human element, the relationship of his, this daughter and, and father who she doesn't know whether she's going to see again. And she's not even a teenager in the movie. But the father's so kind of, you know, determined to do his bit. Um, you've then got the elements of time travel. Yeah. Uh, you've got the elements of space, exploring space. Um, so it kind of made me go... And it goes back to my childhood where my, um, uh, you know, where I desperately wanted to be an astronaut. Um, <laughs> so it kind of fulfilled that really in a way. Yeah. What's amazing about Christopher Nolan and, and that film is if I was to try and pitch that film to you now and say, this is what it's about and you're in another dimension, you'd, you'd be going, oh yeah, sounds great. But when you watch the film, you actually think it, it makes you think, you know, is this something that could happen? Is this, you know, yeah. could this be real? You know, um, so he convinces the audience that this is something that could happen. Uh, so much so, you know, you tear, it, tear up at it, you know, you, when the film's finished, you're thinking about it. It's an amazing thing that he does, and it is an amazing film anyway. And if we look at Batman, Batman 3, where Chris, Christian Bale, and then you've got... Um, Tom Hanks, uh, not Tom Hanks, Tom, Tom Hardy. Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hardy. <laughs> Where did he play Bane? Yes. Right. So in that movie, there's the, it's all about the common people um, getting fed up and, and overruling the rich people. Yeah. And I think Christopher Nolan is very ahead of his time because oh, what's yeah. happened, you know, it's flicked. Like we talk about Ricky Gervais and when he was on the Golden Globes last year. Yeah said to the rich and famous, the elite, your time is up. Not in those words, but he was just like, taking, do you know what I mean? Mm. And that, that it's, the power has flipped. And that's what I like about Christopher Nolan. He's ahead of his time. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Because the privileged few uh, are realising now, you know, but with social media and things like that, nothing is sacred. Um, you know, and you'll you do something wrong, you'll get caught out, and you you're not above every everything, which is great, really, because it shouldn't be like that anyway. Yeah. No. Uh, right. So you said you've got. So you've not picked one favorite. You picked two. What's yeah, the other film? Uh, well, have a guess. I don't know. Even though you told me earlier, <laughs> it's the Matrix. <laughs> okay. It's... Now, now before you tell me why, uh, obviously they're making a follow-up to The Matrix. If someone's never seen The Matrix before, explain to us what, what is The Matrix about? Well, it's all about the blue pill or the red pill. Which one are you going to take? <laughs> you can't explain it, can you? What, go on, explain The Matrix. What's the film about? It's, it's all about an awakening. It's all about the awakening and um, coming out of The Matrix. And The Matrix is... Um, everyday life and that's all I'm going to describe and it's what 20 years old yeah is it yeah, yeah. and it's what, still what, do you, what what do you think resonated with you why why did you love it so much <laughs> um well special effects were amazing and for that time yeah. no one had done that um 
and the whole storytelling. I wasn't a fan of Matrix 2. I do feel it's just my opinion. You know, I'm not right or wrong. Um, I felt Matrix 2 lost its way. Yeah, when it found its way again, I was just like, wow. Um, so I think the whole element of life, society, and going to the, going to, getting up in the morning, brushing my teeth, getting ready for work, going to work, sitting at my desk for seven hours, coming back home. And it's whole like the groundhog experience and it's stepping back from that and going, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. Who's controlling social media? Yeah. What are algorithms behind the message do you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean is this real or is this just a dream oh <laughs> people hey after, with lockdown people have had funny dreams haven't they and it's because uh they were saying that obviously your mind is saying that you're trapped because the government you know on lockdown and it's messing your subconscious up and you're having some really weird dreams did you have any weird dreams i had some weird dreams yeah, you know, like from a spiritual perspective, it's because people are less busy, so their mind's less cluttered. And so God but God speaks to some through dreams and visions, and he does to me, it sounds like to you as well. Um, but we have usually, to be... Usually alcohol-related with me, to be fair. <laughs> well, this is where you have to filter out what is not from God and what is from God, and <laughs> what is related in your case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you know that there is I, I i believe there's an awakening happening with lockdown because it slowed people right down we need it mentally yeah yeah in some ways in some ways it was a godsend for some people yes literally. I mean, the pollution as well the pollution that's that's gone down because of it you know it's crazy Okay, so if people want to listen to your show, Christine, or get in touch, what are your handles? What's, how can they do that? Well, my handles are on my front doors and some on my fridge. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> comedian was not really my forte, was it being a comedian? But it was Ellen DeGeneres, apparently. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Radio Plus every Saturday, 10 a.m. till midday. And you, if you put in Radio Plus Coventry, because there's one in Mauritius, we're not in Mauritius. Um, Radio Plus Coventry, you can find a link to listen live or listen to old shows if you wish. And uh, that's how you can find us. We're also on Mixcloud. Um, but if you can be bothered to, to, you know, going through Mixcloud, great. If not, get on the website. What about your live coaching? If someone wanted to talk to you or contact you about your live coaching, how would they do that? Okay, so uh, it's christine-charles.com. Oh. Um, oh, you got a website for it? Yes, I have. It's, so it's christine with a c-charles.com. Um, and I'll give you the link if, if you yeah. want. You can... I'll, put, I'll put the links on anyway because this will be shown on YouTube as well as on the podcast platform. So we will put that on there uh now i always say at the end of the podcast we can talk you can tell us a, a, an uplifting story or a word that maybe you think is quite relevant uh from today's interview or something you wanted to share was it share with us have you got anything yeah do you know what i just want to say like what might seem really dark and negative in this world yeah is 
is not, you know, that's what higher powers want us to believe. Be the light, be encouraging, be, be positive, you know, um, just be the light guys. That, that's all I'm saying. We all have lights, go into dark places and shine your bright light, be positive and, and help others, help others. You know, yeah. Yeah. someone could be just smiling at someone. You know, you don't know what impact your smile has had on that person. Yeah. Um, you know, so so be the light. I encourage you. I challenge you to be the light. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great a great note to finish on. And like you said, I mean, if I was to think of a, of a word, it's easy to say, but positivity is a massive thing because you've been through a lot. You've come out a bit positive. Um, it'd be so easy to go the other way, you know, um, but you have to be positive. Life's an amazing thing and it's so important. Um, but this day and age, it's so easy to become negative and that's what you have to try and stay away from. And, and there are going to be hard times, of course there are, you know, uh, but it swings and roundabouts. Who said that? Uh, not swings and roundabouts. Tom Hanks said it's ups and downs, you know, so it'll all even itself out in the end, which is true. Um, but if you're positive and that reflects to other people and it, it will help other people, if someone's feeling down and you, you can, you know, make them smile, there's nothing better than that. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, you know, it's a scientific proven fact that being negative consumes more energy, leaving you drained yeah. <laughs> than being positive. So, you know, science is back in that. And, um, you know, just just try being positive. You, yeah. you know, that's going. We've got one life, haven't we, Lee? Well, uh, I've got I've got numerous ones. I, I've been reincarnated, but that's that's for another podcast. Yeah, we we don't do reincarnation in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I need to find someone who's had a second life actually for this. Uh, but anyway, Christine, thanks ever so much for coming on. Make sure you come back on as well uh in the in a month's few months time or whatever make sure you keep doing your show and enjoy it because it is a great show um and thanks so much for coming on today because your story was amazing thank you for having me lee all the best and uh keep doing what you're doing okay all right i'll speak soon bye so that's it. A massive thanks again to Christine Charles for joining me today uh, and also you listening or watching. Make sure you follow the podcast because over the next coming months, there are some extraordinary interviews. Trust me. The podcast will be streaming on the usual platforms along with the website www.mywayofthinking.co.uk. Oh, God, I need a drink. Facebook and YouTube is My Way of Thinking podcast and twitter is my way of thinking without g on the end of three instead please like and subscribe and tell other people about it if you enjoyed it until next time to go